My name is Joanne Averson, and this is the podcast, Pain Removed, Performance Improved. One of the lovely things about doing this podcast on Pain Removed, Performance Improved, is some of the feedback that I've had, which has been mostly delightful and includes some questions. And one of the questions that I had was, when you're teaching a yoga class, what is it that you start with? Now, an opening sequence in both manual and movement therapy for me is quite a key thing because I think it gives a continuity to the classes and for me it was something of a a signature or a hallmark um, whenever I opened a class, but not because it was about me rather than the clients who and participants in the classroom who consistently got excellent results when we started with the feet. So today I'm going to talk about that a little bit because of the difference it makes and I'll use a client example. So we'll look at the anatomy and the reasons for using it in the classroom the way we do and finish up with a particular story that's very dear to my heart and in between a little sprinkling of magic. So let's go to it. I loved for many years using a small ball on the soles of the feet. I think it's a wonderful way to wake up the feet. And I often had clients come and see me or students in the classroom who thought using a golf ball was a great idea because it was hard and it really got into the corners and they could really feel it. I really recommend you don't do that. The fascia of the foot is actually extremely sensitive and it's designed to manage something technically that we call variability. And what that means is your feet are exquisitely sensitive actually to the shape of the ground that you're placing them on. And when they're inside shoes, some of that sensitivity is somewhat diminished. And one of the lovely things about practicing yoga, even if you're wearing socks, is that the soft aspect of the foot is allowed to feel the shape of the earth. And that's actually quite an important thing. And obviously in the classroom on the yoga mat, it's generally flat, hopefully. Um, But one of the key things about putting a golf ball underneath it is that it's so hard that the foot responds immediately by tightening and stiffening and literally hardens in response to the ball. And one of the most important things to understand about working with fascia is its range and its variability. And that's actually one of the key properties that we want to retain and sustain so that we can respond to life appropriately at the time. So exploring the foot for its mechanics, its anatomy, its sensory awareness and its responsiveness, its appropriate responsiveness, is a really useful thing to do, but it's also a resource to build. Now, when we talk about the the balls that we do use, I'm a great fan of Sue Hitzman's Melt Method and Jill Miller's Yoga Tune-Up because the material that they've researched and gathered for their Um, the balls and the rollers and so on that they use 
are really thoughtful and really intelligently considered. If you're looking for something that's quite quick and easy to resource, I personally use golf flight balls, which are made of polystyrene. They're not hard at all and they're extremely useful and cheap to buy on Amazon. And rolling them under your foot is a super easy way of animating the foot without overworking it. So to start a class, if you haven't got those, and side note, hint, if you have those with you, put them inside a pop sock so they don't roll away. Then you can use them under your desk while you're working or it's just a fabulous thing. And we'll talk about that more in another podcast. But for the beginning of a yoga class, even without the ball, I always start sitting on a chair or sitting on the floor, depending on the health and agility and range of my particular group with massaging the feet one at a time. Now, there's actually huge value if you can reach the feet, if your participants can reach the feet, in having the feet gently and lovingly worked by you so you get to know your own feet. There's something magical about working through the foot gently and quietly and thoughtfully and finding the bony bits, the soft bits, the sinewy bits, the bits that glide and the bits that don't glide. And I personally think reflexology is one of the most fabulous treatments that we can have. And one of the reasons for that, if particularly if you have a good reflexologist who knows what they're doing, is embryologically our feet grow out of the pelvis we we grow the limbs from a bud, which is quite literally feet first. Now, they're not the earliest limbs to grow by any means. That's another discussion. But they grow from the pelvis and they take the tissues and nerves of the lumbar and lumbosacral spine with them. So when we look at the inner the side of the foot, that what we call the medial part, the bit where you can put your feet together, if you stand with your feet together, the bits that touch each other, that shape as its role in mapping the whole body, there is a map of the whole body under the foot and in the palm of the hand and on the ear, that map mimics the spine down the inside of the foot. And there's various research about that, which is um, perhaps not the stuff of podcasts, but we do go into that in um, in various courses, but take my word for it that there is a lot relating the foot to the pelvis. Let's put it that way. Now, by paying attention to your feet, not just the way they look, not just the way they fit into the best shoes, and God knows I used to have a shoe collection to die for, and long, long ago, stopped wearing anything above a nothing heel. But <laughs> I totally get it. It's fabulous to have your feet feel great and gorgeous shoes to wear. The important thing really is the comfort and the ability to have what I call a transparent relationship with the ground. Now, 
I guess in an ideal world, that transparent relationship with the ground is barefoot and beautiful. But let's be realistic. We're in the Western world and we're busy. And although a lot of us are at home, we have different surfaces, different temperatures, and it's so easy to stub your toe or get hurt if you're not wearing at least socks and possibly slippers. And of course, it's safe sometimes to do that when we've got slippery floors. But all of these different surfaces are actually quite important for animating an articulate foot. Now, the word articulate is is a lovely one to use here because when we're learning a language, we learn nuance and we learn subtlety and we learn distinctions in linguistic terms in order to express ourselves. And an articulate foot is one that has what I call a fasciological language. And it can find ways of knowing itself, ways of feeding back, ways of understanding. And of course, the feet stand under us. So when Dr. Ida Rov talked about understanding the feet, she always made a very clear distinction for practitioners of rolfing, as it's called, or structural integration, that if we can get the feet right for the person who lives in them, which is a very important distinction, if we can get the feet right and we can get them underneath us, they understand us, they stand under us in a way that we actually don't notice. Because when it's smooth and simple and accessible, there's no pain. Now, when we're massaging the feet in a yoga class, we simply take one foot at a time and massage the sole of the foot, massage the sides of the foot, massage the top of the foot, the forefoot as well. We don't leave that out. Gently massage the heels and feel the different textures of the foot, the toes, the spaces between them. And then one of the exercises that I personally love to do is to take, for example, the left foot and place the palm of the right hand on the sole of the left foot and then interlock the fingers between the toes. And for some people, that's quite tricky. For some people, it's just fun. And for some people, there's enough suppleness to go webbing to webbing, as we say, so that you can get your fingers very close into the webbing of the toes. And just hold. And then imagine that you can space your fingers with your toes. And that switches something in your brain. It's quite remarkable. And it it kind of touches on a neuromuscular engram. And you think about your toes actively spacing your fingers instead of your fingers actively spacing your toes. And before I go to a story of a particular client who did this and why it was so magical, and I have several actually, but before I go to that, I want to share something with you that's lighthearted, but it has a symbolic note to it. You know how sometimes you can read a a Winnie the Pooh children's story and there's something anecdotal in it that really wakes up a deeper meaning. And I studied fine art and English in my teens 
and my university years. And one of my favourite authors was Brian Froud. He's an artist and an author. And Brian and Wendy Froud wrote a beautiful book together called The Fairy's Oracle. And my very dear friend John Sharkey refers to me sometimes as Tahiri Fairy One. But, you know, all of you out there teaching yoga classes, we have to bring the magic of fascia to the story. And we really can't just lose ourselves in anatomy and physiology and biomechanics. And those of you that know me know that I don't think there's any such thing as biomechanics applied to the human body because we're bioemotional. And we move in a very natural way if we can. And when we're moving unnaturally, that's when we experience pain and we start understanding how we can remove it to naturally improve our performance if it's possible. And yes, of course, sometimes we need help. But there's a bioemotional aspect to having a good relationship with the earth. And that is that we can find a feeling of groundedness. We can hold our ground, which is like holding our own. And personally, I think a gentle and clear relationship with the ground is an absolute keystone to balance. And yes, sometimes we do fall, and there is such a thing as falling well, But mostly it's about walking well and finding our way over the ground intelligently, articulately, and being able to modify and vary it for the occasion, for the ground that we're on, and for the experience that we're in. And I think it's actually become more important now that we're all traveling less, because the situation we're all in this year, 2020, is one in which we're sitting more, generally speaking, and there's even less reason to take care of the feet. It's just we sort of assume they're going to do what they have to do. And one of the cards, the illustrations and the stories in Brian and Wendy Froud's book, The Fairy's Oracle, is about the foot fairy, and it's spelt double F, double O-T. And it always stuck in my mind. I mean, years and years and years ago, I read this. I was playing some game with some friends. We were predicting our future with these cards. God bless us. And I just was struck by this story. And I'm going to share it with you because I just think it's delightful. And I think there's more to it than, than being hairy fairy. It's called, this fairy's called Faf the Footer, and it's double F-A-double-F, the Footer, double F-O-O-T-E-R, Faf the Footer. And the clue to Faf the Footer is being real, earthing, grounding, and centering. I wonder how much influence that had over me in all my years of studying yoga, but anyhow. And this is what, what's written here, I'm reading it to you. Just as life is becoming surprising, exciting and very interesting, though not necessarily fun, Faf the Foot Fungus Fairy comes along to check out our feet. He picks up one foot in his remarkably strong hands and looks it over for fluff between the toes, smelly fungi and dirty untrimmed toenails. 
if he finds any of these signs of disrespect for our feet and for Earth Mama. Walking on her with grubby feet. Yuck. He marks them by making holes in our socks. If things are really bad, he sends mice to eat our dancing shoes. So we will be forced to dance barefoot in the dewy meadows under the moon. If it happens that we have snow instead of dew, that's just our tough luck. It's absolutely beautiful and I love the idea that having disrespect for our feet is also having disrespect for Earth Mama. Now, on a little personal note, I had very um, narrow feet as a child and I tended to roll inwards on my feet. So it's called technically a medially shifted talus, which means I, I tended to walk on the inside of my foot or towards the inside of my foot. And it's often referred to as fallen arches, as if it's an illness or a condition. And what I discovered through my yoga and through structural integration was that I could rectify it to some extent. And so by doing simple foot exercises and working with my feet and basically becoming conscious of them, I managed to change their structure and make them much stronger, much more supple and much more able to support me changing the ground, but particularly in yoga where we often stand on one foot or the other. And the story that I wanted to share with you was about my father I think I've said in other podcasts that in his 70s, he said that he was going to hang up his f football boots, he called it. I'm hanging up my football boots because he used to play football and he used to play with his grandson. And he decided that at 76, he was too old to do that and too old to really move. And he, he was becoming an old man. And I wasn't having any of it. So I rounded on him, not too rudely, but pretty strongly and just said, Basically, that's a load of rubbish, but not that politely. Come to my yoga class. And he did. Mum and Dad both came to my class every week. And we did these foot exercises. And his balance started to improve. And he said to me one day after about a year, I want you to know that I'm practicing tree pose. Now, for those of you that are not yogis and don't know tree pose is basically standing on one leg or one foot, I should say. With the other foot, the heel is in the groin and the sole of the foot is on the inside of the standing thigh. Now, for lots of us, that's extreme. And it's more than enough to simply be able to turn the sole of the other foot in and place it over the ankle bone of the standing foot. And then very, very slowly over time, especially if you're holding onto a back of a chair or a wall with your hand on the wall, you begin to be able to bring the heel up the inside of the standing leg. And then we change sides. So it's a very slow, incremental process of animating the foot. Another side note. I don't believe in going into extremes of poses and just being able to do them as if making shapes in space is all that yoga's about. In my world, it's the gradual process of animating a posture like tree pose so that we get 
stronger and clearer and more balanced. And we actually teach the body slowly and gradually over time to find and maintain these postures. Fascia works in a different time frame to muscle. And we all tend to be very muscle oriented. What can I achieve? What shape can I make? So just as a side note, learning slowly from the ground up is really the whole foundation of the way I teach yoga and this practice of working with the feet first. Anyway, back to the story. So dad said to me, I've been practicing my yoga every day. I worked out something really clever. And I said, what was that? And he said, well, every morning when I clean my teeth, I stand in tree pose. So I'm holding onto the sink and I place my right leg on the inside of my left leg, wherever I can that day. And I clean my teeth in the morning. And then in the evening, I do the other side. And he was so proud of himself. Um, and a lot of you know I lost my dad last year, but he was doing that right up until he was 89. He was in a yoga class with my beloved friend Sarah Sinclair, who took over my classes and my mum and dad as well went to her class and they carried on doing yoga. He was doing it six weeks before he passed over. And even when he fell, when he was terribly ill, he didn't hurt himself. And I'll never forget when he was lying on the floor and the carers came running in to put him in a harness and get him back into his bed. Oh my God, oh my God, he's probably broken his back. And the carer said, Mr. Neville, Mr. Neville, can you lift your leg a little bit off the floor? And he did a complete leg raise lying on his back till his leg was 90 degrees to the ground. And then he said, I suppose you want me to do the other one. And he lifted the other one till it was 90 degrees to the ground. And he was 89 by that time. And the carer just looked at me and said, what? What? I said, uh, it's all right. And he just rolled his eyes and he said, is there anything else you'd like me to perform before you put me back into bed? God bless him. We didn't know he was literally days before he passed over quietly and in a very beautiful and dignified way. But his suppleness and his ability to stand on one leg at the sink every time he cleaned his teeth went on till he was 89. And I'm sure that's why he was able to walk as well as he did. And yeah, there's more to that story, but just suffice to say, the foot fairy takes care of our balance and our relationship to Mother Earth and our ability to ground and our ability to handle the changes in the earth. I like calling them listening feet. And the more articulate they are, the more detail they can listen to. I think it helps to remove pain, particularly in a very slow, incremental way over time. And I think it improves performance, because the lighter we are on our feet, the more ninja style we can walk and move, and it brings a lightness to the rest of the body. Have a play. Let me know how you get on. Take care, stay close, and look forward to being with you again.